Welcome to the Blockdown Podcast, brought to you by EOK Digital, the number one blockchain PR and communications agency. Every week, we're sharing pearls of wisdom about the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency. Don't forget to subscribe and review our podcast so we can bring you even more great content. Boom! And we're back. Next, we have our first panel of the day. To introduce our guests and moderate this one is the founder and lead economist at Economics Design, a research-focused consultancy for digital ecosystems. In the academic world, she contributes to research work in various fields like math and economics, while having practitioner exposure with startups and global businesses. Please welcome Lisa J.Y. Tan to Blockdown. Lisa, the panel is all yours. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for the panelists that's here today. Today, we're going to talk about Web3 and the infrastructure to build Web3, and how are we building that infrastructure? So today, we have with us four very, very esteemed people. We have Matthew, the co-founder of Alfred Zero. We have Henry, the co-founder and, and CEO of Streamer. We have Betty, the co-founder of Akala, Karura, and Lamina. And we have Charlie, the co-founder of PokerBase. So feel free, to, feel free to start introducing yourself. And let's start with Matthew. Hi, thanks, Lisa. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to be here and, and talk with everybody here today. So um, yeah, my, my name is Matt, and I am the president of the Alan Zero Foundation. We are a Swiss-based uh, foundation that is essentially building out some of the new and the latest infrastructure for the distributed ledger space. So in 2019, the team managed to go ahead and uh, obtain a, a peer-reviewed research paper um, that was done at a conference hosted by the ACM for a consensus protocol. Um, this was you know, pretty much at the, at the time, the most innovative and, and theoretically optimal. But the you know it, as we all understand you have to take what is theoretical and put it into the into practice. So we've been sitting in stealth mode for about three years now, and just sort of uh, peeking our heads above water. You know, so you know instead of running silent deep, uh, running silent and running deep, we have to at, at some point surface. And um, we've been you know focused primarily on on building out a uh, framework using the substrate technology stack. Uh, and from there, we have also done a bunch of stuff on multi-party computation, threshold signatures, and have, have quite a few innovative solutions whenever it comes to, you know, the, you know, the, the entire space. Fantastic. So that's a very important infrastructure that we'll talk about a bit later. But before that, let's move on. Breaking up at the crucial moment there. <laughs> oh yeah. Lisa, we lost you back? for a while. Am I back? Yes. Perfect. Yes. So yes, thank you, Matthew, for explaining what what um, Alfie is doing so far. And we're going to talk about that later. But right now, can we have Henry to introduce yourself, please? Yeah, sure. So hi, I'm Henry. Uh, I'm heading the streamer project uh, as a co-founder of that. I have a technical background, so so I'm quite involved in the day-to-day -day of, uh, of the project and architecting it and pushing it forward. 
I'm I'm a Finnish guy that's living in Tug in Switzerland. Um, this is our office here. And I've been in crypto since 2016 uh, when we started planning the project and we did an ICO in 2017 and have since been developing the, the project. And Streamer is a decentralized protocol for real-time data. And I'll be happy to chat more about that during this panel, obviously. So that's me. Awesome. And now we have Betty, which is the co-founder of Akla, Kurura, and Lamina. Can you introduce yourself, please? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for uh, having me here, Lisa, and uh, nice to meet everybody. Um, I am actually calling in from uh, Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, it's 10 p.m. Uh, here. Uh, I'm sure everyone is all over the place. And uh, so uh, we are actually uh, building in the Polkadot space, which is the Internet of uh, Blockchain Protocol, uh, or AKA the TCP IP for uh, blockchain. Um, and then uh, for Akala, we are uh, the DeFi hub uh, on uh, Polkadot that providing uh, the decentralized finance infrastructure uh, for, uh, I guess, the new economy or the new open finance uh, future that's about to come. Um, and of course, uh, the uh, Polkadot ecosystem, I'm sure we'll have opportunity to, to discuss. Um, and with the Substrate uh, new uh, blockchain framework, it actually creates a new beast or a new category of how we can innovate. Um, and taking Akala as an example, we are both a suite of DeFi products as well as a platform that you can build on top of. So we are a collection of a stable coin, a lending platform and a decentralized exchange as product suites. And then on top of that, uh, we have EVM, uh, and other smart contract platform that uh, folks can actually compose uh, with all the money Legos that we built, uh, as well as the cross-chain liquidity like Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, and uh, any other uh, assets that we can bring into the system uh, to actually build uh, you know, more, uh, I guess, scalable uh, solutions uh, for uh, the end user. So uh, this is the new beast. You are both platform as well as a, a product suites. Um, and we've been building since the end of 2019. Um, and uh, very luckily uh, through that uh, last year, you know, we've built out a 200,000 plus uh, community uh, across the world. Um, and at the same time, we are uh, production ready. Everybody is anticipating the upcoming uh, Kusama uh, mainnet. Uh, uh, which a precursor of the Polkadot mainnet. And we are ready to, as one of the parachains, uh, ready to uh, launch. And uh, yeah, so super excited. At, I guess this is uh, like a new era that are about to begin, I guess, the future of a uh, multi-chain future, I guess. So very happy to be here and uh, meet everyone and discuss further. Thanks. Super. We're all building the different infrastructure to the whole DeFi piece or the whole Web3 piece. And lastly, we have Charlie, who is the co-founder of Pogabase. Can you introduce yourself, please? Thank you very much, for the host. Uh, yeah, I think uh, what Betty just said about Polkadot, uh, I resonated a lot in the last three years. Um, being one of the ambassador in China, co-founder of Pogabase, you know, being one of the main interpreter and translator for Gavin during most of the Polkadot China events. Um, yeah, the last, year, uh, last three years has been quite a nice journey for Web3 ecosystem development, right? And while my main role as uh, as poker-based community is, you know, bringing the building the bridge between a lot of the European and actually Western and, and you know Web3 type of technical 
um, project into the China ecosystem. Um, while my our main role is to do the developer engagement, right? And we are very good partner with Rust community and the CS, uh, CSDN and most of the technical university in China. Um, my, while my another role is main, mainly focused on the early stage investment in a lot of the technical project. And so our fund called Carbon Blue Ventures, you know, partner with Hudan University, with most of the, and all, all the other uh, FMBA and also engineering universities in China. And we work with a lot of uh, infrastructure layer projects, also with FinTech projects. And, and right this year we start to partner with the crypto finance conference and trying to build the bridge between the, a lot of the Western FinTech solution, DeFi solution companies between the Chinese ones. I think this year, as what Betty just said, we are very anticipating about the upcoming parachain slot. Has been a lot of story, a lot of events talking about this in the last two years. Finally, it's about time. And my other role is, is being very hands-on, helping, advising a lot of uh, DeFi solution projects uh, in different ecosystem. Um, Polkadot is the main one what I focus. And I think in this year, I'm also very interested about all the DeFi plus NFT solutions. And another ecosystem very, I'm very kind of getting more and more engaged is Tezos, and especially in their clean NFT solution. And it's very interesting for us to look into the, the new NFT um, you know, innovation this year. So yeah, and very much looking forward to the conversation today. Fantastic. Thank you all for, for sharing a little bit more about yourself and a little bit more about the projects that you're doing. This session, we're going to focus a little bit more about Web3. So Web3 is the denominator of all the things that you're building, be it substrate, be peer-to-peer -peer decentralization, data, infrastructure, use cases. It's all building on top of this new thing called Web3 that we are working very hard on. We're building the infrastructure to what Web3 is. And we're, we're really laying the foundation so we can start building these amazing technology and amazing things that can be built on top of that. So to get, to get everyone started, what is Web3 to you? And how is it different from the existing Web2 that we have today? So I'll, I'll go ahead and start. So the, I mean, obviously this is definitely like, as you, as you asked in the, in the question, it's unique to everybody. So I, I think that whenever you think about this, it is highly dependent on whether or not you're an end user, you're, you're interacting with the website, or you are you, you know, building out the infrastructure just you know, like, like everybody here on this panel. So you know, as, a, as an end user, whenever you're interacting, whenever you're, you're going to a, you know, your web browser, whether it's Brave or, or you know, one of these new ones that might have some um, hooks into IPFS and, and some of these unstoppable domain solutions, the, the idea is that for the most part, your interaction is going to change, right? You as a user, your data becomes more, more centric to you and under your control. That's probably a, a, big, um, a big component to all of this. And then on, on the back end, whenever it comes to the infrastructure, we're moving more into this, this notion of decentralization. So whether or not it's the file storage that's going to be you know, distributed in a way using things like erasure codes. Um, this is you know, a basic technology that's been around since the 70s as far as the mathematical machinery is concerned. Um, this is used in, in RAID 0, RAID 0 plus 1. It's used for CD-ROMs. It's how we communicated with the, the Voyager um, program back in, in the late 70s. So you know, all, all this stuff can be used as a, as a means to provide a better distributed system and more, more, robust, ro more robustness and resiliency. 
So you have, you have file storage that can be separated out. You have protocols for communication, whether or not this is going to be a move towards mesh networks, um, different uh, distributed systems and classical Byzantine agreement protocols. Um, you know, sort of the, the infrastructure is, is also moving towards this open and dynamic membership model for Byzantine agreement. So this is, you know, whenever we look at these underlying distributed ledgers and consensus protocols, this is, you know, what's happening at that level. So in a way, a lot of it is just highly dependent on your, you know, where you're coming in at. Um, you know, and there's there's all sorts of things from a from the end user's perspective too, whether it's going to be, you know, better interaction with the machine learning side of things, um, or whether or not it's going to be, you know, more tailored and custom to your experience. And and I think that's a, that's where we're looking at as far as the direction of Web three is concerned. I def yeah, definitely along the same lines. I mean, for me, Web3 is definitely about the sort of decentralized web that democratizes the power uh, in the internet and unlocks a class of new use cases that have previously been unfeasible. I mean, today, most applications are running on um, the big five cloud data centers. Uh, but this will change as these classic platforms are replaced by decentralized backends like, uh, like smart contracts or IPFS or streamer for real-time data transport and new kinds of applications become available. Like you can have, uh, you know, decentralized social media apps with huge message volume and rewarding content authors. Uh, you can have like more secure IMs. You can have public infrastructure, IoT kind of setups where data is flowing in this open and permissionless uh, network. You can have data crowdsourcing and, and data monetization uh, kind of activities, um, which sort of fall into, into, um, in, into the space that we're looking at. Uh, in general, like giving boost to data economies and, and sort of self-sovereign ownership of both data and value. And of course, in Web3, value transactions will be sort of trivial if they're powered by cryptocurrency and, and self-sovereign control over, over one's digital assets. So, so I think that is the, that's, that is the paradigm shift that um, inspires me the most. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably just add to what Matt and Henry uh, you know, just articulated. It's pretty cool stuff that they, they uh, what they said. So, I mean, uh, for me, it's like probably two things. One is like, um, for the first time, we actually own stuff. Um, I, I think many people didn't realize previously we didn't actually own anything. Um, you know, the money in the bank, it's actually IOU, like the bank actually owns the money. Um, and then any of the, you know, paper certificate or whatever certificate that you have, uh, or even property, we don't actually own it. You know, we, we actually trust a third party um, and they are pretty much just IOU. So with Bitcoin to start with, um, and then follow on with all the other technology evolved out of it. For the first time, we actually own uh, value. Um, uh, I, I mean, for, for many of us, like I live in New Zealand, uh, uh, the banking system here in comparison to uh, elsewhere is almost like perfect, right? So I don't feel like most people here, it doesn't feel the pain. I think for folks who are similar in the situation, um, you almost feel like you own uh, the money in the bank because you can actually almost like access it uh, whenever you want uh, apart from weekends um and uh and then you you know the the bank doesn't run 
you know, the, the pol monetary policies are relatively stable, governments are trustworthy, so you don't feel anything. But I've been in, and I've grown up in certain parts of the world that uh, are, uh, you know, completely like that. Um, and then the bank can shut down, and they could just uh, recall the legal tender and then say, this bill is uh, no longer valid. Um, and suddenly you realize uh, you don't actually own anything. Um, and also the second thing I realize um, is uh, the monetary policy is owned by somebody else uh, when it's not crypto. So for crypto, especially like uh, Bitcoin, I'm specifically referring to is while you own uh, the Bitcoin that you actually you know, uh, hold a private key to, uh, but nobody actually owns the monetary policy. That's very important um, uh, because almost any other uh, economy in the world, somebody actually owns it or some group of people uh, in control actually owns it. Owns it. Um, and that's what gives you know, the beauty uh, and whatever we have today uh, you know, created by uh, Bitcoin. And, uh, once people realize that this is possible, uh, I think that's where all of the people here in this room is start to create technology and applications uh, that are making not just one application. I think Bitcoin is a, bit about, a little bit like email, right? So email, you send messages to each other, but Bitcoin is more like you're sending value and owning the value uh, uh, to, to each other. Uh, so there's one application, but all of us here are building applications so that we can change other fabrics of the society and the world that we uh, we, we live in. Um, so, uh, so, so, so based on that, uh, then the, the, second, the second thing that uh, probably inspired me uh, uh, would be uh, with all the Web uh, 2 technology, it does create a huge uh, uh, asymmetry of resources, uh, wealth. Uh, I think Harry actually touched on that, is uh, centralization. I think Matt also touched on that, that centralization uh, of resources, like you know, all the uh, big companies uh, today, they probably hold on to 99.99% of the wealth in the world, um, and how much tax they're paying, and how much employees they're hiring, and how much uh, of the profit they made up out of the data or everything else they collect freely from all the users. Like if you're using a free product, you are the product, right? So then, um, but they're not sharing all of that. Um, so however, in the blockchain world, the Web3 technology, for example, in Akala, um, one way we're measuring the success is one day uh, as a founding team, we leave the network alone and then the network still survives. They still self-govern. It's still economically solvent. Um, this is how we measure our success. How are we able to do it is because uh, through the uh, blockchain network and also the token economics, we are able to make every user, every contributor, uh, every participant, a co-owner and stakeholder of the network. Because you know, it's never been before. If I walk into a bank, I open a, open a bank account and borrow a loan from a bank, it will never allow me to be a shareholder of the bank. And I can never vote to fire the CEO if he's done something wrong. But this is uh, happening right now on the blockchain space. And this is what we are building, right? I think this is going to shift not just you know, the uh, financial side, but also how we uh, you know, collaborate as a society, you know, uh, fostering a more, uh, uh, more truth, uh, less trust uh, way. Uh, that's what you know, uh, Dr. Gilman would always say, you know, Web3 ethos is you know, more truth, less trust. And that's where we are heading, I guess. So that's me. Yeah, just to try to follow up with what Matthew, Henry, and Betty just said, I think they touched upon very good points and uh, covered about what I have to say, actually. And just to add up a bit on my personal feeling about Web3, 
in the last seven, I, I would say last 10 years, we have been, you know, the, the technology side has been changing so much, right? We see the high curve on the AI, on the IoT, and now on the, you know, and also on the decentralized web. And the, now we're talking about Web3, interoperable networks, and, you know, scalable blockchain solutions, right? I think one thing, you know, on a non-technical side of how I look at Web3 in the future is the human-centric and responsible technology, right? So everybody's talking about the relationship with each other, the programmable society, right? So the trust can be built on top of the, you know, the decentralized blockchain solutions, right? I think that we have, we're still missing some kind of interesting elements. And I see a lot of interesting projects that we are investing that are building in terms of identity management, in terms of on-chain data scaling, in terms of privacy protection, in terms of IoT data, and, you know, on-chain and all the other things. And also, you know, we see all kinds of use cases in the decentralized finance world, in the, you know, um, gaming, decentralized gaming, and, all, and also the, you know, non-fungible token, all that, right? Um, you know, basically is to try to build a new, new, new layer in infrastructure that can incentivize the people actually provide value, right? So that actually there is a new, how to say, social order, economic order, right? It's kind of against, I wouldn't say against, kind of the new way kind of is different compared to the existing web 2.0 platform, right? What Betty and Henry just mentioned, a lot of our users data getting monetized though, with no kind of, uh, uh, you know, rewards back, right? In the existing platforms, I think uh, it's not really that sustainable in the long run. So a lot of big companies actually realizing that they are kind of revolutionizing themselves, right? And also we see a lot of blockchain startups, uh, you know, we Carbon Blue Ventures has been investing and incubating a lot, is doing this kind of bottom up new solution. Right to really um, innovating that. I think one part really still, I'm very looking forward to on the community and you know, ecosystem side things. I'm building a lot of uh, technical community is uh, to engage the user and we align with the interests. So I think in the web three, web three fields, a lot of the real users actually now have the ownership become part of the shareholder in, into some very fast growing projects, right? Uh, in the internet or web 2.0 world, it's normally very difficult. A lot of users are not necessarily the shareholder or the owner, co-owner of the project, right? Now with all the tokenized platform and the infrastructure, um, most of the real users actually become part of the owner of the project, right? I feel that's very interesting and also the, the, the real meaningful way to engage the community in the long run in the, you know, for the sustainable way, right? So I think that's very important in terms of for people to to build a new project, to do the token design, right? To engage with the real user, become a real token holder and investor, um, not just the people who make, who wants to make some speculation and you know pursue for the investment return, right? I think that's very important uh, for the future of Web three, um, you know, for the for the long term. Absolutely, fantastic explanations by all of you. So, if I could summarize, we asked about what's Web three and how is it different. And Web3 is really about ownership of things, ownership of data, ownership of money, ownership of the things that's being built, democratization of power and wealth, and also building solutions with a human-centric approach. Web2 was fantastic. Web2 was a great experiment. It was built for everyone to use. And now we're moving forward and continuously improve and innovate to move to Web3. So in that topic, in your field of domain knowledge, what would you say is the most important thing in the Web3 infrastructure? 
Well, I mean, if we're talking about ownership, then it has to be, you know, public private key cryptography and being able to prove ownership of assets using using that. I mean, that's just going to be your your foundational layer for for anything as far as ownership is concerned. Um, you know, whenever it comes to data centric policies and and being able to showcase that you have more privacy focused features, it's also comes down to cryptography as well, multi party computation techniques, for instance. Um, you know, and then you know, a lot of this is just foundational layers of of basically puzzle pieces that you're looking at, you know, putting together, and in order to build out whatever application that that you're interested in doing, whether or not this is going to be a you know, like a, a you know a streaming service like what Henry is working on, and whether or not it's going to be a you know these these types of uh, uh, DeFi protocols with with Akala or or so on and so forth. You know, at at the end of the day, if you really look at the foundational layer, um, you know, the the building blocks comes from you know the the mathematical framework and technology. I fully agree with that. Uh, couldn't agree more. I mean. Why why would we rely on trust if we can have math, right? That has always made a, a huge deal of sense sense to me. And like, okay, if we can get things like ownership, ownership of assets, ownership uh, of data, I think that's going well. We're in a good spot. And the things that are missing is basically scalability and usability. And uh, if we can nail those things, then I think Web 3.0 can actually like make a breakthrough where currently it's like very constrained and people are not familiar with with this concept of taking responsibility about their keys. And that's that's the place where I see that there's still a challenge remaining and it's a pretty fundamental one uh, actually because people are not not used to this at all they they trust that you know banks and and and, and other um, entities will keep their assets safe but now you're now you're responsible and that's really scary uh, for for most people us who are sort of early adopters or, or technically savvy or whatever we don't find that to be the problem uh, a problem um, we rather prefer this way because we feel that we have that true ownership, but but still it's pretty far maybe from you know from the guy on the street. And I'm sort of even though this is not the area where where we are working as a project, I see that as one of the key components that still need to be somehow solved for for Web 3.0 to become uh, like a mainstream success. But I think we're getting there though. Sorry, Betty, yeah, before, uh, yeah. I just challenge okay. Henry with something. So that's because you spoke like a true technologist and I, and I love it. And that's, you know, that's how Web3 is so beautiful because a lot of things can be engineered into the system, especially when we talk about token economics. Token is really the incentive to affect people's behaviors and these different kind of things. But the difference between engineering and economics is that engineering can build the most beautiful, perfectly engineered system design but you always have the human factor that you can't model in. And that's where a lot of application becomes, they, they goes array because you have so beautiful, like beautiful math. And I love math. I'm an economist. I think math is just an art on its own. But a lot of people don't understand that. And a lot of people can tap into the beauty that math provides. And I think human behaviors are so hard to model. So you can have the best cryptography in the world, but without the human understanding, because, um, yeah, we also talked about human-centric approach and bottom-up approach. We're missing that piece, don't you think? 
Yes, exactly. Like I think math and engineering is is required to to build these new things, but it's yeah, it's uh, it's a requirement, but not quite sufficient. <laughs> I think to make it a success, other things are needed as well. But um, it's a good place to start, though. Without the math and without the cryptography and without the engineering and the sort of taking responsibility of your own assets, we would never get there. And 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 also the the other thing to to consider is that these are all you know whenever you talk about the human aspect, this is all an experiment. We don't know how this is going to yes. play out. I mean, at the end of the day, we have to just test it in you know in in, in the real world. And what that means is we can try to create incentives, whether or not you know you you coming from it as a as an economist understand this type of economic game theory. But you're going to drive human action by incentivizing people. And ownership of a protocol, ownership of a network, definitely helps to align the interests of you know making sure that things are going to be safe and secure. So there's there's a lot that can be said from a very high level, from a philosophical point of view, that there is going to be this this ability of, of maintaining safety and security, but combining that with that human element. And you know, at the end of the day, as I as I say, you know, we're just testing this out, and we don't know where it's going to go. But I think we all have a have a good feeling and, and intuition as to the direction that we're taking this. And um, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to 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 everything. Betty, do you want to share a bit more on the application level of how important or what's the important thing in Web three infrastructure? Uh, yeah, that uh, that was a very uh, uh, lively uh, discussion there. Um, I think I think certainly you know like blockchain is trying, not trying to replace human. Uh, I think maybe AI will. Maybe those two combined together is going to be very evil. Um, but before we get there, though, uh, the human aspect is actually quite important because a lot of major events that happen in crypto is because of that. Um, uh, for example, we always say code is law. Uh, however, who makes the law? Um, can the law be amended? Uh, even for uh, constitutions, you have amendments to constitutions. And, uh, you know, like the, the, the stuff that we have today, you know, like on Ethereum and Bitcoin, um, we have very loose community uh, driven approach. Um, there's uh, still not code on how to govern uh, uh, all of this, how, how does it actually happen, how the discussion happen, how the consensus will make uh, on changing the code, right? I think on chain, we have, uh, we have a way uh, by cryptography, how the consensus is made, everything is like, uh, uh, you know, uh, trustless. However, when it comes to how we can evolve, right? Because uh, when you say uh, a network will never evolve and then one chain fits all and then forever, that is just not realistic, right? <laughs> I think as human species, we are deemed to evolve and change. And there are many different versions of us, very different varieties. So it's gonna be very many different requirements and compromises uh, we need to make. And you're not gonna always be satisfied. So uh, the governance piece uh, is actually one thing that's like hugely missing. Um, but of course, uh, protocols like Polkadot, uh, of course, you know, I speak from uh, where I am building right now, uh, is addressing this issue uh, and for example you know it uh, because in terms of voting and the social science um, it's not quite we don't have the science we have a lot of science it's still not perfect but for example you know the voting system in the uh, states I might piss some people off uh, you know it kind of just like because of that there's a study you know like the um, it's it's a converging on two party right and then and then once you go into the two party system you can never go back but I 
I make a comparison in New Zealand, right? Uh, for New Zealand, a few years ago, it was similar systems, but then we changed it to multi-party, slightly better. So uh, uh, approach, uh, but it's still not as advanced as something like maybe like single transferable vote. And then you also are able to put uh, you know, a, a weight on, on your vote uh, depends on certain things so that you can vote with you know, expertise and things like that. And this is exactly what uh, Polkadot is experimenting on chain. So what, what I'm talking here is like nothing hypothetical, not on PowerPoint. This is like today is operating uh, since last May uh, on Polkadot. There are a bunch of uh, councillors being elected by all the token holders. Um, and then there are referendums being passed uh, almost every week. Um, to govern things, for example, should we denominate, uh, you know, the, the, the token, or uh, should we change certain parameters uh, of the uh, of the network, um, so that we don't need to go into, I guess, a war between certain uh, uh, interest parties, uh, for example, miners and the users, uh, and then you go into a situation of you have to fork, right, and then you split. And then you split not only community, but also resources, which is not good for anyone. So what we're talking about here is like uh, the governance is also becomes a code. Um, then, uh, you know, you kind of start evolving from there. Of course, it's still not perfect, but, uh, you know, as best as experiment. So I'll just like comment on that. But of course, uh, I mean, on the scalability side, um, I think uh, there's also a lot uh, being done. So protocols like, you know, uh, Polkadot, uh, there's also Cosmos and, and many others are working on uh, this layer. Um, I think if you use an analogy, I think Bitcoin is a bit like calculator that you can do specific things, but quite hard to program. And Ethereum is a bit like mainframe, right? Uh, the whole world trying to use one computer, uh, but it's pretty cool. Um, uh, whereas now we get into a stage of, should we have an internet, right? So what, what happened after mainframe? It's like servers, uh, internet, and then we get, we get to web two, right? So I think we are about at that time where you can view Polkadot as um, a trust uh, or ledger or consensus as service, right? Uh, I, I think that's what Polkadot is already delivering. I don't know if anyone using those, those terms, but for uh, application builders like us, we are using Polkadot as trust as a service or ledger or consensus as service. So we don't need to take care of uh, the proof of stake uh, or, or how much uh, of the market cap is so that how secure is my network. Uh, it also takes care of communication for cross-chain and then for application uh, builders like us, we just focus on our specialized area. So I would say uh, in terms of infrastructure, Polkadot is taking that uh, uh, as their mission. And then for us, then we are, everybody is specializing. I think the future uh, is specialization because that's going to bring excellence and, and be able to solve domain specific problem really well. So for example, you know, for us, uh, Akala, we say we're DeFi infrastructure for, for reasons, right? Not just claiming, you know, as a label. Um, for example, uh, on Akala, uh, we, because we're able to customize, so uh, you can bring your own gas fee, like, or, or gas token. So we work with, say, like Ampleforce, they're gonna open a branch uh, on Polkadot through Akala. So they're dropping their ERC20s uh, on Akala's EVM. Um, their users can pay Ample as gas fees. Right. Um, or if you're a Bitcoin maximalist, you can bring your Bitcoin to Akala through the REN uh, uh, protocol gateway uh, uh, or through Polka BTC, whatever, however way you want to bring Bitcoin uh, to us. And you can pay uh, BTC uh, as gas fee if you want to, if you don't want to hold anything else. Right. So, so this is something that we are 
you know, focusing on is how to specialize and solving some of those so-called UX problems, right? So a lot of the UX problems, not just about the designers, but actually about the stuff behind the scene. Um, the second thing is liquidity. So at the moment, is a lot of liquidity are uh, very uh, fragmented, right? So what we are doing is connecting all the dots. Um, so for example, there are multiple uh, Bitcoin bridges and Ethereum bridges, and also other bridges to uh, major chains uh, that are building in the Polkadot ecosystem. So you will see, you know, liquidity converging into uh, uh, into places. And also uh, a specific example is we are building with Compound. So we're building a start port where we can link up to Compound's uh, money market uh, services. Um, and then so that, you know, the DOT uh, uh, tokens and also various different assets from multiple different chains can go up to the money market. So it's like a multi-chain money market. And then the assets can come down to various different chains to serve different purposes uh, or uh, use it for different things. So I think that's very technical description of what we're doing, but I think for an end user, right? Like my mom and dad, they will be able to, for example, use this um, uh, on their phone maybe, or on their computer, a savings account, you know, a dollar denominated, earning 5% versus what the bank advertising for 0.5%, you know, uh, interest rate on their mobile phone. Um, uh, and how that's possible, they wouldn't know. But behind the scene, uh, behind the scene, it could be five different uh, blockchain networks, you know, including a privacy network, including a DeFi network, including some of the infrastructure, uh, you know, the storage and things like that, all combined together, serving the needs of the end user. I think that's where we are heading. Um, of course, all of us here in the room is actually building the, I guess, the pipes and the roads, uh, you know, behind the scene. But uh, yeah, that's where we're heading, though. Fantastic. Okay, so we're actually running out of time. So to summarize, and this time I'll start with Charlie. To summarize, if you can give a maximum of three words, how any individual can come in to get involved with Web3 or participate in Web3 somehow, what would you tell someone in three words or one line? Okay, that's a pretty challenging one to start with. Three words. Um, uh, empowering technology with trust. That's one liner. Um, maybe we try, I will try with three words. First one is always thinking about um, aligning interest with incentive on the new, new, with new technology. Um, transparency. And then decentralization. Amazing. That's just what I think about. Yeah. That's great. And Betty, do you want to give three words of how someone can get involved with Web3? Uh, that's tough. Uh, so if you're a developer, uh, we're running a Substitute Runtime Academy. <laughs> so please join, learn, and code. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we definitely need more developers. And Henry, what about you? I tried to compress my thoughts into into three words. Um, I guess it's it's a hard task, but making a reference to a Matrix movie, take the red pill, <laughs> right? It's a, as a symbol of of learning something new, jumping into a new world from an old world, with with um, with what Matt said before that. Uh, there's the, this experimental nature and uncertain end of 
of the crypto and the web 3.0. And that's very common to everything that's like revolution instead of evolution. We don't know what the end result will be. So take the red pill and jump in. Fantastic. I believe we have all taken the red pill over here. Yes. And what about you, Matt? Yeah, so I'm going to preface it and say I don't I don't think it matters who or, or what you are in you know whenever it comes to this space. Um, and you know at the end of the day, join our community. We're we're really just trying to bring everybody together. Whether or not you're coming in from a, a technologist perspective, whether or not you're just interested in the technology, you know we're focusing on um, you know education, you know philosophy, economy, art. You know all these things that can make a much more inclusive world with with everybody involved, so that we can build build something wonderful together. Thank you, thank you, everyone, for your time. We're really working together to build Web three and empowering people, trying to decentralize ownership and trying to build a new system that benefits everyone equally and not just rewarding the top zero point zero zero one percent. So we're really building a, a better future for tomorrow. So thank you very much for you guys, Matt, Henry, Betty, and Charlie. If any of you are interested. Feel free to reach out to them. They're very friendly. They don't bite. Really nice people. So just reach out to them. They'll be replying. So thank you guys for your time. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for listening to the Blockdown podcast. To connect with us on social media, buy tickets for the next Blockdown event, or find out more about EAK Digital, Head to the show notes for further information and links to everything. See you next week.